Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. All right, I was so blessed by Omar's message, and we're going to continue with this theme, um, Operation, Operation. I feel like we're in an oper- we're, 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 all right, Opportunity 2021, and he shared the definition of opportunity, and I want to go ahead and I want to share it again. I'm not sure if it'll come up on the screen, but, but check this out. Opportunity is this. It's a set of circumstances, a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. So, so pretty much... Things need to unfold. It's a set. It's an ongoing circumstances. One thing that triggers another thing. Circumstances. And as these circumstances unfold, it makes it possible to do this thing, which whatever it can be, whatever it may be. And that is what opportunity is. And I told you guys that I believe that we are in a moment, in a time where God is going to give us great opportunities. So if I say a comment like God's going to be giving us if he has not done so already, Great opportunities to see the glory of heaven fall on earth. What needs to happen? Well, a set of, circumstance, of circumstances. And I could tell you today that there is happening sets of circumstances for the people of God to truly rise up, to actually and truly be the healing of the land. This land is super sick. This land is sick. It's corrupted, it's evil, it's sick, and it's dark. But we forget that living in this sick, dark land is those that are healed and are filled with light. We are called to be the healing of this land. And it happens one person at a time. Amen? In the word that that God has given us, he's allowed for many examples like this to be recorded. Examples of these opportunities and individuals that took it on. Beautiful examples of opportunities that that were given, and opportunities that were also taken. Some of these individuals are known, and, and you know, if you study the scripture, like David's mighty men, I can name you one of them, and you'll be like, I never heard of that man. But he was powerful. I mean, they, they did things that no other man in the Bible would have ever done. From, from a line that was destroying one village. And what they did was they, they made a pit to trap the lion. They made a trap for him. And now the lion is caught in the, in the pit. What do you do with the lion? Do you, do you axe him? Do you hit him with a bow and arrow? What, what, what do you do with the lion that has been tormenting this, this town in Israel? So one of David's mighty men says, I know what I'll do. On a snowy day, uh, it just wants you to know that it was on a snowy day. I guess on a snowy day makes it even harder to do this. That's why I'm guessing. Kind of like in Miami, if we say it was also a rainy day, when we say a story and we say it was also a very rainy day, we know in Miami what a rainy day in Miami looks like. So it was a snowy day, and what does he do? He says, I'll go into the pit where the lion is at. And he kills a lion in the pit on a snowy day. You know, you, you, you look at stories like that. These are, these are individuals who are not necessarily recognized, and there's other stories that are as less notable as that one. But individuals who are known, and then there's others that are not. But story after story, we see these individuals led by the Holy Spirit, ready to take on the opportunity that was given to them through whatever circumstance. Remember a set of circumstances? Through whatever circumstance. 
If you read the Bible carefully, almost every story has a circumstance that was extremely difficult. If you, story after story, you read these pages, there's no way you get bored. It's one story after another story of difficult circumstances. But what happens in the midst of every circumstance? Someone rises up to the challenge and makes the difference. This current generation is certainly living in the most difficult time that we've ever encountered. Nothing is stable. Truth is hard to find. Trust seems to be an ancient word. It's hard to fathom the word trust. Love is thrown around easily and quickly, yet hard to encounter and difficult to truly see its fruit. As we've preached here at Nest, what is good has been perverted and has been made bad, has been called evil. What is sweet has been mixed to become bitter. What is light has been opposed and confused to now be recognized as darkness. And yet, in the bad and in the bitter and in the darkness, it has been taught and forced through the agents of education and information to brainwash many to believe that these things are actually the light and the good and the sweet things. So what a, all we could do and all I could do and what we can do is to truly pray, and I pray and truly pray, church, that, that we're not so caught up in our own opinions that they have drawn us away from God's truth. That we're so caught up in our own opinions that they've, they've drawn us away from the Holy Spirit's leading or from being rooted in the word of God that will never perish, that will always remain, as scripture tells us, it will never disappear. We are not God, and, and we need to come to recognize that our word, and the word of the person sitting next to you, our word is not final, neither does it hold absolute truth. I know it's hard to understand this, I know, I get it. But each word and each action of ours, as Romans chapter 14 verse 12 shows us, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Each one of us, each one of them, everyone. Our word is not the final word, his word is. Our thoughts are not the final thoughts. What does scripture say about his thoughts compared to our thoughts? His thoughts are way above ours. His ways are way above ours. His thoughts are not ours. His ways are way above our ways. And, and, and these are reminders in these moments that we are in as we take on opportunity 2021 on. And, you know, you start to think about this in, in a passage that I've always, I would say since the beginning of all this, continued to run to is Romans 1. And how long have we been living in the days as Paul writes in Romans chapter 1? I won't get so into the middle of the chapter, but I'll read it and just really let the Word of God do what the Word of God does in your own heart as we read it. In chapter 1, verse 18 of Romans, Paul writes, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's been made because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Verse 21. Yes, they knew God. 
Now he's speaking about a people that knew God, that confessed that they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. You've ever had a conversation with someone that tries to tell you how God is like? And their minds become dark and they become confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. I've seen people worship elephants and donkeys like never before in these days. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things which, with each other's bodies. And they traded the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. And he says, amen, so be it. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. I mean, it's like a second wave of sexual revolution that is happening here. The women turned against natural way to have sex instead indulged in sex with each other. The men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with each other, with other men. And as a result of their sin, they suffered with themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. My gosh. All he had to write was 2020 slash question mark. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey parents. They, verse 31, refuse to understand, break the promises. They are heartless, and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, to be punished. Yet, they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do it. They encourage others to do wrong. Very powerful passage, amen? So I shared this in, in prayer today, and I shared this in the huddle, that this is not the time, and I've been saying this for months, to speak as the world speaks, as Romans 1 speaks. To do as the world does, and to chase what the world chases. But we would follow as, is, as, as it is written to Timothy. And I want you to listen to these words. I'm just going to read a lot of scripture to you today. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul writes to young Timothy, a student of his, a son of faith, chapter 3, verse 10 through 15, listen to these words. Tell me if they mean anything to you today. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution, Paul, and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Look at this, verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people, 
But evil people and imposters, they will flourish. They will deceive others, and they will themselves be deceived. And then verse 14, he says, but you, but you must remain faithful. You must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. You, you, you must remain faithful. They will say other things. These people will flourish, but just because they're flourishing, don't think that they're of me. They too will deceive themselves. You must remain faithful. So beautiful. So as we said earlier, as we read the Bible carefully, almost every story in the scriptures has circumstances of extreme difficulty. But again, someone would rise up, and they rise up to the challenge of whatever difficult circumstance they're in, and they are the ones that make a difference for their current and for the generations that follow them as well. How many of you can say in your life, you've already seen a rising of difficult circumstances. Amen. For those that haven't, maybe you will. I, we pray, obviously, that you don't, we don't wish that upon you, but maybe you will. And when difficult circumstances rises, will you be the difference? The difference that would bring change or have effect for the next generation. I wrote this down, and I don't take these three phrases lightly. Please listen to this as if I'm beaming it into your heart. I know it's the English vocabulary and sometimes we lose meaning of phrases and words. But with everything that I just said, after I just said that you would be the difference that would bring change and have effect for the next generations, here it is. It's our turn. It's your turn. Will you rise up to the challenge that makes the difference for this land? It's your turn. It's our turn. Everyone say, it's my turn. I really pray that that phrase does not just fall lightly. Paul reminds us of this. He reminds us of opportunities that can be wasted or opportunities that, can, or that opportunities that can be taken advantage of. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, an opportunity has risen in your life at some point and you know that you wasted that opportunity? Many of us, look at that. Some of us would say, if I could just have that opportunity again. And we wasted it. And did you notice that sometimes those opportunities, they never come back? You, you've lost that opportunity forever. It was given to you one time. Did you take it on? My, that's my great fear in the day that we're living in, that a great opportunity is given us. And we just let it pass. And years later, we're old and gray. And we'd be like, if I could have just on that year at that moment done what I knew that the Lord was stirring in my heart. That that would never be you, amen? And Paul reminds us of this because opportunities can be wasted. But yet today, as we share this, and for the rest of this month, and we'll see how long we go, opportunities can also be taken advantage of. In Galatians chapter 6, he says in verse 7, don't be misled. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. You see the responsibility? You see the opportunity? God is good. God's throne is not shaken. Like, 
how many times have we said this here, right? You have the earth, however you envision it, right? The earth, and wherever his throne is, and the glory, and all this, as all that will fall on this earth one day. That, that world, that realm, that dimension has not for once been shaken by the things that have shaken the earth. Do you understand that? So imagine living kingdom people that we're not shaken by the things that are shaken around us. Well, how come you're not shaken? Because I live amongst a, a world that can never be shaken. I know it's very hard and sometimes it's very churchy and it's very biblically to say these things, but it's a truth. It is a truth that we could encounter and live in and it's a truth that I pray because I too can fall to my flesh. I too could have that bad day and, and all of us could testify of that. But he says you'll always harvest what you plant. There's a responsibility. Oh, well, how come I'm harvesting this? How come I'm harvesting this? Well... In the season of planting, what did you plant? We complain about the season of harvest because we cease to remember the laziness of the season of planting. I want the harvest, and we're all screaming for the harvest, but the Lord says, not if there's not planting. You will harvest what you plant. All of us want to walk into a harvest. Amen. But how many of you will take on the opportunity to get your hands dirty in the planting? So the Lord does have a harvest for you, but do you have a planting for Him? Do you have a planting for Him? He brings the harvest, you do the planting. See, and that's what the world is. We were just having this discussion yesterday that everyone just wants to see this picture of God or this harvest of God, but they themselves don't want to see the mirror and recognize where they have failed in their responsibility. And like, like, for example, although there is no God because God, why would God allow things like this to continue to happen in this world? What do you think God is? A genie? That he just comes in and just solves the world's problems? No. How about, how about saying, well, I think the inhabitants of the earth have done a pretty bad job in really um, cultivating the land for the glory of the Lord. So we deal with what? The harvest of the things that we've planted. From generation to generation. Stop blaming God for the things that God has no reason to be blamed for. Amen. I'll take that. You're responsible to plant. And God will be faithful to, har to bring you the harvest. Opportunity 2021. Those who live, verse 8, Galatians 6, to satisfy their own sinful nature. Guess what they're going to harvest one day? Decay, death, rottenness, spoil. They will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You see what I'm saying? But those who live to please the Spirit, they will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. There is a planting responsibility that brings forth a harvest blessing. These people that all they do is preach about harvest blessing, but yet not living in the faithfulness of planting, be careful with those people. They're probably asking you to tithe a certain amount of tithe or they're probably asking you to do a bunch of things. Be very careful. We are doing what? We are planting. We are planting knowing that he is the God of the harvest. Amen? And we are being responsible in this current place to serve the Lord with a full heart, serving him with a joyful heart for his kingdom to come here on this earth. We're, we're just doing this, Lord. Verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. There you go. At just the right time, Guess what it says, church, for those that are planting, for those that are taking on the opportunity, for those that are 
actually doing this well and taking advantage at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If what? If you don't give up. Man, I was just talking to this with my sister. How many of us in these days have wanted to give up? Listen, maybe I should just give up. And the Lord's like, give up where? Give up what? Are you crazy? Give up my kingdom? Give up planting? Give up what you're doing? One so at a time. Give up where? Where are you going to give up? And Paul says, don't ever give up. Don't give up. At just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest. I love that it doesn't tell you what time, but it just tells you at just the right time. Well, I've been waiting for that right time. Well, he doesn't function with your calendar and with your watch. At just the right time for him, at just the right time for his kingdom, he will, and you will reap the harvest that he's given you. Verse 10, therefore, whenever we have what? Whenever we have the opportunity, everyone say opportunity. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If you have the opportunity, what do you choose? Choose good. Choose to do good. Make what? Take advantage of the opportunity that is given to you. Oh, but the world is crumbling, right? But that crumble is your opportunity to put the pieces together and allow the cookie to be back at its form to say, here is the kingdom of heaven on earth. Man, we, we have the ability, if we could just believe that, maybe we have to get, a, a, <coughs> maybe we have to get a, around the right people. Maybe we've got to start listening to the right things. Maybe we just got to get into his presence and his word more to really see this for ourselves. Ephesians 5, as he's writing to the church of Galatia, <coughs> he also writes to Ephesus, and he says in verse 15, 16, and 17, Scripture, man, really does a good job speaking for itself. No man has to really add or take away from this scripture because it does it. He says all on its own, it's truth and it's deep. He says, be careful how you live. He says, don't live like fools, but you live like those who are wise. And you make the most of what? Of every, every opportunity. Not some. You make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Amen. You know, the beauty of 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 being in the positions that we can be in and, and, and the place where I minister and do stuff is like, you know what? I don't need anyone to give an account to me that is only meant to give to God. And that is freedom. And that is freeing. That every single one of us will have to come before the presence of the Lord for ourselves. And Paul says, you make the most of Every opportunity. He gives no room for slack in these evil days. How many of you would have wished that could say, make the most of every opportunity in these good days, in these great days, in these glorious days? But Paul does not say that. He says, in the evil days, you make the most of every opportunity. We could have grabbed that scripture, twisted that scripture around and said, you see, Paul meant good days. So I'm guessing that the only time for opportunity was going to be presented to us when it's good. But Paul never says anything about good. He says, in the evil days, you, uh, you make the most of every opportunity that is given to you. Why? Because I think that as the days get more evil, hmm, the glory will shine and become 
much more heavier and brighter on this land. Make every opportunity in these evil days. In 17, he says, you don't act thoughtlessly. How many of you have acted thoughtlessly lately? I should have not pressed sent. You act thoughtlessly. It's in the cloud. Someone, someone took a picture of it. You are judged forever as one of them. Whatever that means. It's almost like Paul knew what we were going to face, right? He was. Why? Because many of his own were dying, burning at the stake. They were going to run for their lives. In a few years from now, all of Jerusalem was going to be burned down. (laughs) I mean, from what I know, at least we haven't been burned down yet. I mean, these are not easy days. And look what he's writing. Makes sense today. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. Come on, church. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Opportunity 2021. It's your year. If not, it's someone else's year. They're going to take what you dropped. Come on, this is your year. But you have no idea what may happen next week. I don't, but it's still your year. Take on every opportunity. Make, make, take advantage of every opportunity in these evil days. Hallelujah. Salivate that when you see evil and darkness and bitterness, salivate and say, good, an opportunity for sweetness and light and goodness to enter. Salivate over those things. Run to those things. When you go to darkness, when you see darkness, run to darkness and say light has arrived. When you see bitterness, run to bitterness and say sweetness has arrived. When you see evil, run to evil and say goodness has arrived. Opportunity 2021. Hallelujah. I have a lot more to say. Uh, Let's keep going. Ephesians 11 shows us the importance in going forward with good judgment and good sense. How many of us know this is a time to have good judgment and good sense? If there's ever going to be any gain, we need to have good judgments and good sense. But realizing that as you do, there's always a certain amount of risk. We're going to live, I believe, in days of high risk. But but as we take on the opportunity in those risks, we're going to see great opportunities be presented to us. And we're going to see a mighty harvest. But we need to be willing to what? To count the cost and take the risk. Hallelujah. These are the places where I don't want to go on a rant and, and really. All right. Or it can cause you to find the right sense and how to take on the opportunity regarding or regardless of this risk. Let's get into this. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. I'm going to stop in places and, and give reference stuff. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verses 1 to 10, I want you to hear what is written. It says this. It says, send your grain across the seas. And in time, profits will flow back to you. Did you just hear that? Send your grain across the seas. And in time, in time, profits will flow back to you. Verse 2, but divide your investments among many places. Don't just stop in one place, man. Pour out into many places. For you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rain comes down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Look what he says in verse 4. Farmers who wait for the perfect weather, they never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. See, you read this and you say, well, you know, too much time spending trying to to read. and, And the ESV talks about this, trying to read the skies. 
Too much time trying to read the skies. How many people are trying to read the skies? You're getting text messages. You're sending text messages. You're trying to figure out, oh, I've heard this is going to happen next. And you're trying to read the skies. I heard this cloud's coming in tomorrow, and then that cloud's going to make another appointment for the next week. And we're trying to read the skies. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, cool. I'm just trying not to make any, drop any name drops. but Too much time reading the skies. It will only distract one from the task that is currently at hand. And those that always wait for the perfect time to begin a project will not sow, will not reap. Because they're waiting for a perfect time. And the Lord says, no, no, no. This could happen. Opportunities can come at any time. Hallelujah. So, so you read verses 1 through 4, and you say, maybe we're not to wait for this so-called, obviously, perfect time. But we're to seize the moment, even when it seems impossible. When it seems too difficult, when it seems too painful, too stressful, or even too good to be true, or too easy, or too obvious. Whatever, remember how we started off, everything connects like a puzzle. Whatever the circumstance, we don't wait for the time, but we take advantage of the times that we are in. Whatever the circumstance, what are you doing with it? Oh, well, I'm waiting for this to happen. No. How are you taking advantage to the circumstances that you're in right now? There is fruit to bear in this age. You should write that down in your notes. You should write that down in your skin. There is fruit to bear in this age for the glory of his name, for the work of his kingdom, a hope to be made alive as it's trying to be put to death. Let's continue to read. In verse 5, he says this, as we just read verses 1 through 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. He says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. One translation says, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. How many of you are asking God, God, what is happening? You do not understand the activity of God. Here things are happening, and there he's just orchestrating. I got this. Watch if you could only see what I'm about to do. And he's doing something. He's doing something. You cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Think about when Jesus was dying and he was on the cross and the whole earth turned dark. The apostles were hiding, scared. What did you just do? You killed our master. And heaven's like, we got this. We know exactly what we're doing with this time. He says in verse 6, plant your seed in the morning. Keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. So don't hold back is what he's saying. Don't hold, don't hold back from what? From getting involved. Let the success or the failure of a task rest in the hand of God. But what? What is he saying in the scripture? But, but your responsibility, my responsibility is to get to the task. You have an opportunity, get to it, and know that what? The rest is in his hand. The book of Ezra is a special book, and I don't have time to get into all of its details right now, but the book of Ezra shows us this as well. All the books do, Nehemiah does. I mean, we could go down book by book, story by story, but Ezra shows us this. Ezra was sent from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And if you study the book of Ezra, he, he needs to go back to Jerusalem to what? To, to reform laws. To bring forth a great reformation over there. To teach the laws of God to those who did not know them, to those who perverted them. 
And he takes a large group of exiles back to Jerusalem. And he discovers even while he's there, okay, this is going to be great, but while he's there, guess what else he discovers? That Jewish men have been marrying non-Jewish pagan women. And at that time, that was something that was a big ordeal because they would worship other gods and it got very muddy and ugly in these days. But I want to read from Ezra chapter 10. And let again the scripture do what the scripture does. In verse 1 he says, Now while Ezra was praying, as we get ready to enter a month of praying and fasting, and if you study Ezra, he fasted, and if you study Nehemiah, he fasted. All these men fasted as opportunities were given to them. Opportunities are going to be given to Nest Church, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to what? We're going to pray and we're going to fast. Align ourselves with heaven to be ready for it. He says, now while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing and weeping and bowing down before the house of God, look what happens. A very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel and the people wept very bitterly. And Shekaniah, the son of Jehiel, son of Elam, spoke up and he said to Ezra, we've trespassed against our God. We've taken pagan wives from the peoples of this land, yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. We've done wrong, but hey, maybe there's good in the midst of all this wrong. We did evil, but maybe God would grant us some good. Now therefore, let us make a covenant with our God, verse 3, to put away all these wives, man, different times, and those who've been born to them, According to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Basically, he's representing sin. Opening up your door to the things that weren't purity. The things that weren't of God. Let's do away with the things that are not of God. Look what they say in verse 4 to him. Arise. For this matter is your responsibility. <laughs> Can you imagine? What the heck? That's your, you did that. I came over here from Babylon to come and reform this place. And when I get here, you guys sinned. <laughs> but they bring it on him. The matter is your responsibility. But look what they say. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. Ezra, lead. Ezra, go forward. Ezra, we messed it up for you, man. I'm sorry about that. But we know that because you're here, God's going to do something good. Do it well, Ezra. <laughs> We got your back. We're in it with you. But this matter is your responsibility. And what does Ezra go through? He goes through the weight of being a leader. And he says, wait a minute. I didn't do this stuff. <laughs> I didn't do this stuff. But what? But there's still a responsibility in the times that are confronted before me. I didn't cause none of this. You didn't cause none of this. Right? But there's still something that we need to do for this age at this very moment. For the sake of what? For the sake of your family. For the sake of someone around you. For the sake of this church. For the sake of something. But there's a responsibility that is standing before you in the midst of today's circumstances. Ezra could have stood up and said, well, let all of you go burn and go to hell. Because I didn't do it. But that's not the heart of God. Ezra heard that and I could say well you know what America could go to hell because I didn't cause that but that's not the heart of God instead what was told to him was this matter is your response how in the world is it my responsibility God when I have no say in any of this he says if I put you in the land I put you there for a reason fulfill the responsibility and the opportunity that I'm giving you for this time in this current age but I didn't cause it, but I put you there. 
Sometimes we're so caught up about our very own self. Get over yourself and myself and ourselves. And get into him. And when you start getting the heart of God, you'll start operating and entering lands that you once looked down upon. That you once spit on. But now because you have the heart of God, you'll say what? I'll take on the responsibility that is given to me. I'll take on this matter. And I'll take it on faithfully, even though I had nothing to do with it. Why? Because you're God's chosen. Because you're God's people in this land. And the world in his age needed an Ezra. And the world in their age needed a Nehemiah. You know what was going to happen to that wall in Jerusalem? It was going to stay burned and broken. But one man named Nehemiah needed to go to the king and say, I got to go back to Jerusalem and build that city up because I love it. And I love those people. I didn't cause it. I'm living good over here with, with this king. I have favor over here. You guys cause that upon yourselves. Let the enemies continue to attack you. You deserve it because you continue to turn your back on Yahweh. Instead, Nehemiah says what? I have the heart of God. Send me back to the people of God and let me build what has been broken down. Come on, where's your heart? Are you just burning walls down with everyone else? Shame on you. Shame on you. Really look if you're part of the church. Really look if you're really part of the, of the heart of God, if you're just burning things down. But are you building things up? Opportun Man, you guys got quiet. Opportunity 2021. This is our time to take on a responsibility. Man, I'm fighting depression, bro. I'm fighting anxiety. I'm fighting really not hating some people. I'm really fighting, bro, not really wanting to talk to some people. But the heck with that. This is our time. Can't let those things win. You can't let those operate. You can't, you, can't you can't let that stuff consume you, overwhelm you. People get, they're just lost. You're just not, just get with God. Arise for this matter is your responsibility. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's your responsibility. But we're with you. Be of good courage and do it. Sometimes I get bothered when someone like, calls me or I talk to someone and they give me counsel. Like, you, you should do this with that person and you should do that with that group. And I'm like, you don't even know what's happening behind closed doors. Like, you're counseling me what to do. But how much of that has truth to it? I'm like, oh, okay. I'll do it. He's reminding me. I have a responsibility. She's reminding me. Do it. So I'm just that person today in your life. You should do this. <laughs> Who do you think you just do it? It's your responsibility. It happens to all of us. Then Ezra arose, and he made look so beautiful. And he made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do it. He had to take on the task. He had an opportunity that was given to him. He had to take responsibility in it. Guess what he does? He rebuilds the altar of God. He leads the people in rebuilding the temple. In chapter 4, Ezra faces opposition. Yes, he does in the midst of all of this. Trust me, he does. And you will. Oh, you're going to do it? You're going to do it? You're going you're gonna to take on the opportunity? Guess what? It's not going to be easy. You're going to have people that are going to blast things in your ear. You're going to have people that are going to speak down upon you. You're going to have people that are going to try to destroy the work that you are trying to build. I'm telling you it's going to happen to you because the enemy darkness is more than alive in this world. Ezra faces opposition in chapter 4 to enemies that were against the rebuilding the temple. 
and he, he still goes forward in it. He helps Jewish exiles return to Jerusalem. I mean, this man's doing everything. He's wearing all kinds of hats. He's just doing it. He establishes, he reforms the Lord's teachings, the Lord's truth in the land. Through Ezra's obedience, all the people at the end of that chapter, uh, you, you'll see in the end of the book, all the people gather before the temple of God. And what do they do? They all fall to their knees and they begin to what? Confess their sins openly. Can you imagine that? Revival. Revival. Everyone confesses their sin. I had an adultery. I committed I did it. Everyone's just coming. Everyone's hey. Like, what? You did what? While you're confessing, you're just like, whoa, I heard you. Everyone's just confessing their sins. Revival is that moment where everyone starts confessing their sins. All because one man, one man took on the opportunity. Counted the cost. He risked his life. Could have been killed many times. And a whole people group confessed their sins. Nehemiah, around that same time, comes in. And he leads the rebuilding and the saving of Jerusalem. Which if you study that, you'll see it seemed impossible to physical eyes. There was no human strength and ability to be able to do this. But these two men took the opportunity, though there was high risk, their faithfulness in God's opportunities brought forth what? Great reward. Brought forth great reward. Amen? I have, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Today, um, I have three more pages, but I'm going to pause there. And then I got about five more on this notebook. So we'll come together in the weeks to come and keep, keep going over all this. I was going to name today's message um, Opportunity 2021 Ready, ready and, and Work, I believe I said. But I'm going to change the, the title of that. Because um, I couldn't get to that point. <laughs> but I hope that when you read and you sit here, we're going to finish Ecclesiastes when we gather again. But I, I hope that you really recognize through these passages, through our conversation here today, what the Lord may be calling you individually into, amen? And what he may be calling us as a church, co corporately, collectively, into, Many of us have felt many, all, all kinds and just m many different ways and many different things. But it's just a reminder. I love that God speaks to this family at such a perfect time, in such a perfect way. The things that truly matter to his heart. And as we close off today, I, I really ask that you would really come to this place. This place of recognition of I recognize that difficult circumstances can be presented in this earth. But I will also commit myself to walk into the opportunities that God is going to give me. And be faithful. Be faithful to take advantage of every single one. Not losing one of them. I'm going to be faithful to take advantage. Amen? Because I know that if I'm faithful in planting... If I'm strong in planting, he too will be faithful in bringing forth a harvest. He will bring a harvest. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm waiting for the days of harvest. But all I'm saying is just be faithful in the season of planting. All of us one day will be in glory. All of us one day will be seated 
All of us one day would walk down streets of gold. All of us one day would be put crowns upon our heads to be brought back to the feet of Jesus. All of us one day will see things that our eyes have never seen, hear things our ears have never heard, sounds that we can't even fathom to understand. Wings of angels will sound like mighty rushing waterfalls. The voice of God is going to make the whole room tremble and smoke will fill the air. I mean, all of us will experience and encounter such goodness and holiness one day. There is a great harvest for all of us, whether on earth or in eternity. But I say that while we're presently in this current situation, in this circumstance, we have one responsibility, and that is to be alert to what heaven is alert to. Have the heart to what God's heart is saying, and saying, Lord, whatever you present before me, I'm going to plant into that. I'm going to take advantage of that, even if it's in the, in the midst of evil days. And I'm going, to take the, I'm going to take on the opportunity to see the great glories of heaven fall on this earth. Come on, just join me in prayer, Lord, that you would fall on my life. That it would fall on my children, that it would fall on my family, that it would fall on my friends, that it would fall on this church. That we would take on opportunities given to us. That we would live with such reverence, with such focus on you. so hard these days, Lord, not to get sidetracked, not to get overwhelmed, not to drown, drown in the words of this world and the worries of this world. But Lord, that this will be the day uh, that a bride, that a beloved, that a remnant would say this year, this year will be the year of opportunity and of opportunities that will be taken advantage of for the glory of my King. I'm going to ask as the worship team plays, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to come up to this altar and you just hope that someone can come alongside you and just pray with you, we'll do that. You can come up to this altar right to the front of the steps. You can just kneel there if you want. But I want you to truly just have a... Um, an intimate time with God there. Really speak to Him from the depth of your heart. From those deep places of your mind where your thoughts go on. From that deep places of the core of your being. Just speak to your beloved right now. He hears you. And, and let this be a, a moment where these words that we've spoken today, Lord, I say yes and amen to them. Paul was writing about what we read in Ecclesiastes what we were reading about Ezra and Nehemiah we say yes Lord yes amen so be it in our lives Lord so be it in these days that we're living in so I'm going to be quiet for a little while and, and, and whatever you need to do right now with God this is your house okay no one's going to hit you over the head no one's if you're in order just do everything in order just come before the Lord Get on your knees, get on the altar, get, do whatever you have to do. But just get with God this morning. Hear from God this morning. Hallelujah.